Um, so today I get to preach for us because Gio is actually out preaching in Washington, so that's crazy. Um, but uh, so we actually uh, just finished up a series that was called uh, Religion to Relationship. And so that series was focusing on helping us move from our just religious habits and into a deep relationship with Christ. And so now our next uh, topic of series of lessons is going to be on emotionally healthy spirituality or emotionally healthy discipleship. The little tagline there is helping us move from shallow Christianity into deep discipleship. Um, and so it, we're going to kind of be following a theme of helping us get out of some things that we can kind of tend to do as Christians that can be sometimes unhealthy for us in our walk with God and our spirituality and our relationships. Um, so today we're going to actually be talking about limits. Um, but before I preach uh, our lesson, I want to go ahead and pray for us real quick. So if you guys uh, will bow your heads, I'd greatly appreciate it. God, I just want to thank you so much for this time, Lord, that we get to come here and we get to learn more about your word, Lord. I thank you that um, you want us to be emotionally healthy disciples, Lord, that we um, can have a chance to pursue you in new lights, Lord. I ask that you would just uh, bless the sermon here that's about to be preached, and I ask that you'd be uh, helping Gio as he's preaching in Washington, Lord, and I ask that uh, your word would just continue to be preached and heard, Lord, and that it be well-received, God. And it's in your name that I pray. Amen. 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 All right, so before I do anything, I want you guys to uh, simply just think for a second on what the word limits brings to your mind. And when you think of limits, do you think of things that are necessarily uh, terrible? You're like, oh man, I hate when I'm limited. I hate limited resources or limited opportunities. Or when you think of limits, you think of good things. You're like, I'm glad that there's those limits. I'm glad that there's these restrictions. What comes to your mind when you simply hear the word limits? Mm. What is your natural perception? I'm going to give you a second to think before I get into it. Yeah, so um, what I want to do today is I want to look at limits from God's perspective, right? Because in everything, there's opportunities uh, to have limits. And sometimes limits can be good. Sometimes limits can be bad. And so it's true within the Bible. But one thing that's interesting is actually limits is a constant thread that runs through the scriptures. And it actually even starts at the very beginning. So if I want you guys to turn to Genesis chapter 2, I'm going to read you a story you've probably heard before. Mm-hmm. All right. And so in Genesis chapter 2, whenever you're there, you're going to go down to verse 15. And we're going to pick up uh, of the story of the Garden of Eden. And so in uh, Genesis 2:15, it says, The Lord God placed the man in the Garden of Eden to tend and watch over it. But the Lord God warned him, You may freely eat the fruit of every tree in the garden, except the tree of knowledge of good and evil. If you eat its fruit, you are sure to die. So at the very beginning of our entire story of humankind, we get the first original limit. You're allowed to be in the Garden of Eden, tend to it, do with it as your will. The only limit is just do not eat simply of this one tree of good and evil. If you do, you are sure to die. This is the first limit. Now, one thing I want to point out to you is this limit is not necessarily explained very well. They're just simply, they're told they're die, they'll die. They don't really know why. We're never told why God put the tree in the Garden of Eden. We never know why that this was the boundary, but we're just simply given the boundary. Mm. And so what we'll see, we'll continue the story real quick. If you go to chapter 3, verse 2, we're going to see what happens with this boundary. And so when you're in chapter 3, verse 2, it says, Of course we may eat of the fruit of the trees in the garden, the woman replied. It's only from the fruit of the tree in the middle of the garden that we are not allowed to eat. God said, you must not eat of it or even touch it. If you do, you will die. You won't die, the serpent replied to the woman. 
God knows that your eyes will be opened, and as soon as you eat it, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. The woman was convinced. She saw that the tree was beautiful, and its fruit looked delicious, and she wanted the wisdom it would give her. So she took some of the fruit and ate it. Then she gave some to her husband, who was with her, and he ate it too. At the moment, their eyes were opened, and they suddenly felt shame at their nakedness, so they sued big leaves together and covered themselves. And so here we see the first limit is also broken. And this is the start of the fall of man, of humankind and the beginning of sin into the world. And so we see this limit that God had placed and it was a limit for their own benefit. It was a limit that would have been easy to respect, a, a way that they could live their life, something to enjoy. God didn't want them to have to deal with good and evil. God didn't want them to have to deal with sin. He put them in a situation where they could have lived a life in paradise. And so that limit was there to help them. It wasn't necessarily explained. It wasn't necessarily told to them. They didn't get the whole picture, but they were supposed to trust. And so here's what we see about humankind is we have a hard time trusting the limits that God puts on our life. And so naturally, at the very beginning of humanity is the nature to rebel against our limits. A nature to kind of want to keep on taking from our life. And so what's cool about limits is along with the story of sin, along with the story of relationship with God, it's a story that kind of is weaved through the entire Bible. And it's cool because we actually see Jesus is presented with kind of this exact same circumstances later. And so if you could turn with me to Matthew chapter four, and in verse one, we're going to see Jesus as he's tempted in the wilderness. And it says, and then Jesus was led uh, by the spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, if you are the son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand at the highest point of the temple. He said, if you are the son of God, uh, can throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain, and he showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. He said, all this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him and the angels came and attended. And so here's the interesting thing is Jesus is tempted in three somewhat different ways, but there's the same theme of trust in God, right? The first one is a logistical sense, the nourishment he needs from food. Right now he was led in the wilderness to fast 40 days. He's at a very weak point. And so Satan's simply tempting him like, hey, you have the ability to make sure you can take care of your needs right here. But Jesus knows that's not the calling. So he says, you know what? I'm going to trust that the food will be provided. So I'm not going to do that. The next one is he's tempted to be able to prove who he is, right? The devil says, the scriptures say that if you throw yourself off of a building, that the angels will catch you. You can prove to everyone here at the temple that you are the son of God. No need to deal with the Pharisees who are going to keep calling you out. No need to have to go under a cross. You can prove it right here and now. But again, Jesus trusts the restriction. He says, you know what? I'm not supposed to test my God. I know the path he has for me, so I'm going to trust that. And then the last tempting, the last temptation, I imagine, was the one that was the most tempting. He takes Jesus to a high place, and he says, I can give you all these kingdoms. I can give you their glory and their splendor. I can give you a name worthy to be praised, right? And I don't think 
the temptation here is that Jesus will have all these kingdoms. He'll have this glory. He'll get to be a king. The temptation is he can receive the glory he's supposed to receive without ever having to meet the cross. Right now, he can step into all the stuff that he knows he's going to get to without any of the suffering. But he trusts to the plan God has for him instead, and he leaves these things on the table. He resists all these opportunities to rebel and instead trust to the limits that were set on him by his own father. And so we can see the kind of parallel, right? We're put into two situations. We have man and we have Jesus, and we have a rebellion against limits and an accepting of limits. And what's cool is Jesus didn't simply accept the limits here in this temptation. Jesus accepted the limits in his own ministry. Jesus was in a place where he was constantly burdened by people. He was in a place where he would go places and he would have all the sick brought to him. He was so demanded of attention that people literally cut through a roof to try to lower people in to get healed. He could not go somewhere without being recognized, talking to people, without hearing people out, without having these moments. But Jesus took time to accept limits. In Luke 5, 15, it says, Yet the news about him spread all the more so that crowds of people came to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. And again, in Mark 1, 34, it says, So Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases. He cast out many demons, but because the demons knew who he was, he did not allow them to speak. Before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and others went out to find him. And when they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well. And I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So he traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in synagogues and casting out demons. So here's this interesting thing. Jesus Christ, who came to save people, who came to love people, who came to heal people, didn't have an interaction with every last person. There were many people in Jesus' own time who came to him who were sick, came to him who wanted to get to know him, came to him who wanted to have an interaction with him, but Jesus wasn't there. He moved on. He went to an isolated place to pray. He took breaks. He didn't reach every last individual. In fact, even of his own known world, he didn't make it to every last town. And so here's the interesting thing. You ask yourself, why? Why, if you're the son of God and this is your whole purpose, why not sit here and talk to all these people, right? They said that they were people looking for him at daybreak. They were like, where's Jesus? We need to talk to him. But he's like, I need to move on. And so we kind of can think about it. It's like, well, Jesus didn't actually get to every last person. He didn't reach everyone. He didn't make it to every city. But interesting enough, at the end of things, in John chapter 17, in verse 1, it says, Jesus is praying. He says, after all these things, Jesus looked up to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son so that he can give glory back to you. We have given him authority over everyone. He gives eternal life to each one of you, to each of the ones you've given him. And in this way, they may have eternal life to know you, the only true God in Jesus Christ, the one you sent to earth. I brought glory to you here on earth by completing the work you gave me to do. Now, Father, bring me into the glory we shared before the world began. So here's the interesting thing. Jesus didn't talk to everyone, and yet he completed the work he was sent to do. Jesus didn't heal every sick person. You know, the people who came to him and maybe wanted to know more about him, he maybe didn't have a conversation with every last one of them. There were towns that didn't know his name. 
And yet he completed the work that was assigned to him. And so the first thing to understand about limits is that you have them. You have limits in your life. And in fact, you have spiritual limits. To understand that Jesus Christ himself had limits. There was people that he did not have time for. There were people that he did not get to heal. There were people who did not get to hear his name in his time. He had his limits, and yet when he respected those limits and didn't meet every last person, he still completed the work he had to do for himself. And so this is such an interesting contradiction in our mind because we think if there's somebody I can help, I should help. We think if there is a burden I, carry, I can carry, I should carry. We think if there's somebody who needs my time, I should give my time. But there's moments in which we actually need to serenity and accept the limits place on our lives. The first sin of man was rebelling against the limits that could have kept him safe and in paradise. That's the first thing to understand about Christianity is the first temptation is to go help every last person to put them on your back and be like, I will carry you into heaven with me. But you know what happens when you start putting people on your back? You become weighed down. And instead of carrying people into heaven, you start to crawl. And then you start to go from a crawl to lying there. And then you become encumbered. You become depressed. You become overwhelmed. You start to become bitter with these relationships. You know, in the, a book called Emotionally Healthy Spirituality that talks about this, they likened it to having people come up to you, hand you a rope and jumping off a cliff and condemning you to hold them and keep them up, up, up and safe. You start to be weighed down. You're holding this rope and somebody hands you another one. You're trying to carry them and another one, and another one, and another one. And you're stuck there trying to carry other people's faith or other people's relationships because you feel it's the right thing you should do. And it seems that way on the surface. But when we do that, we don't allow ourselves to grow, and we don't allow those people to grow. So the first thing to understand is that God has placed limits on your life, both logistically and spiritually, that are healthy for you to respect that are healthy for you to accept because they allow you to actually be effective in the opportunities that you're called to. Jesus's mission wasn't to have a conversation with every last person. His mission was to make sure that he would die for our sins, to make sure that he could train the disciples to carry on the mission. That was his mission, and that's the one he completed. The temptation is to get bogged down with every last little struggle, with every last little problem, with every last little person. To give you an example of some limits that sometimes we don't respect, is sometimes God puts limits on where our life is. A logistical limit. You know, sometimes we're like, oh my gosh, I would really love to date right now. I'd really love to be married. Or you know what? I'd really love to retire. These sound really nice places. I'd really like to be there. And sometimes you're like, why are you resisting me on this, God? Why, oh God, can I be where I want to be? You know, I would love to do that. But sometimes it's not about getting to where you are. It's about trusting God with where you already are. Accepting the limits of what God wants from you in this moment. If you're single, that's awesome. You get to learn how to have a relationship with God as an individual. If you're dating, that's awesome. You get to learn how to have a relationship with another person that respects and reflects what God wants from you. If you're married, that's amazing. You get to understand what it's like to have a relationship when you're one with another person. If you're working hard and you're like, I really want to retire, you get to understand what it's like to carry a labor and trust God with it. 
whatever stage in your life it is, it's not about getting to where you want to be. It's about accepting God with where you're at. Accepting the limits logistically that he put on your life. A limit I can face a lot is spiritually, I feel like I want to help every last person I can. You know, sometimes I can go to places where I'm like, I don't leave without having two or three deep conversations where people just give me all their emotional problems. And I'm like, you know what? I should hear them. I can hear them. I will hear them. What I've learned of myself is when I take on everyone's burdens, I myself become unburdened. And instead of loving that person and wanting to help them, I become embittered towards that relationship. No longer am I helping them, but simply just being there. And the limit I've learned I had to accept is I can't help every last person. And in fact, it's unhealthy to try to help every last person. Because then they don't help themselves. And instead of having their own faith, they suddenly piggyback on mine. And that's what I need to learn is let other people sometimes carry their burdens and encourage them and help them, but allow it to be theirs instead of mine. To respect the limit that he put on me in that area of my life. So the first thing to understand about limits is it's okay to accept limits. You're not called to break through every last limit in your life. You're not called to be the Superman of your own universe as much as I hate it. You are called to live within the restrictions that God has put on your life because they are there for your own benefit. That restriction to not give the fruit of knowledge of good and evil was there for their own benefit. That would have kept them safe if they had not rebelled against it. But that being said, as fun as it all is to accept the limits, there's also limits we're called to the breakthrough. Amen. And as contradicting as it is and how fun and confusing that can be, there's times when we're called to not accept the limit, right? There are so many times in the Bible in which characters were not called to live within their limits. To give you an example, Sarah and Abraham were called not to live within the limits of logistical childbirth. They were in their 80s, 90s when they were supposed to have a kid. They were called to break out of that limit, not only logistically, but in their own faith. They were called not to be comfortable, but to be challenged, to break through that limit. The 12 disciples who would carry on Jesus' message were called to break through their own personal limits. Not one of them was well-educated. Not one of them had any experience in leadership. The only experience they had was fishing or being a zealot. These crazy random things, they are not who you would pick to be a leader of a worldwide message. And yet they had to break through these limits. Again, you can see Timothy. Timothy was young. Timothy was taken to a church that had an insane amount of problems. He was timid, and yet he was called to be a leader, called to be an elder, called to out of his own comfort zone. He was called through the break through his own personal limits. And so the question is, what is a limit I should accept, and what is a limit I'm supposed to break through? What is the balance of my life? Where is God calling me? And so that's what takes discernment. And discernment is found through prayer and understanding the boundary. Understanding, am I in a place where I'm comfortable and I'm called to, you know what, I got to get out of my comfortability and call myself higher? Or my place in which I'm taking on too many burdens or I'm in a place I'm trying to rebel and it's overwhelming. And a lot of the times it can be seen in your own personal reaction, right? We can tell as human beings when we're being comfortable. We can tell when we like it the easy route. We can tell when we're taking the cop out. 
but we can also tell when we're starting to be overwhelmed. We're starting to burn out. We're starting to feel the weight of the things around us. It's really easy to tell when God doesn't want you to do something. It's a pretty simple concept. When you're in that place in your life and you're really trying to get into that other place in your life and God keeps denying it, our temptation is to be frustrated with God, but he's like, hey, this is the boundary. This is the limit. This is the thing to accept. And likewise, you can feel when God's calling you higher, your comfortability. He's like, hey, go this way. You're like, I don't don't know if I want to go that way. That doesn't sound fun to me. To give you an example, I sat here and I was like, you know what? I really want to get to marriage. That's where I really want to be. That's my dream. And so I pushed on that boundary, but God pushed back. He's like, this is the limit I have for you to accept right now. He called me to live within the constraint, to have a relationship with him just one-on-one. A limit I resisted God on was leadership. I've never viewed myself in leadership at all. I never thought of myself as a leader. I never thought of myself as a good talker. I've always been so much of the quiet type. I always think of my brother as the charismatic one, and I'll be the brains behind it. But uh, even though he's smarter than me, he's much smarter than me. I'm not trying to say that. I'm I'm saying I'd rather be the background guy than the front guy. Um, But God called me out of that. He put me constantly in positions of where I had to be public, where I had to have confrontation, where I had to talk to people, where I had to publicly speak. It was a limit. He called me to break through. And it's easy because he kept putting me in opportunities to achieve that. Whereas in the other place, he put me in opportunities to accept it. And so if you're looking for, is this a limit I'm called to break through or a limit to accept? Look at where God's leading you. Look at which way he's pulling you. Are you actively resisting the force or is he actively leading you that way? You can tell when you're swimming and you're fighting the current or you're floating along with it, right? The way God wants you to live is to simply flow along with his limit, right? Flow along with the current, not to resist. We have our own imaginations for our life, but like, oh, I really want to end up here. But God's like, it would be so much more amazing to be here. And so the more you accept the limits and break through the limits that God calls you to, the easier and healthier your spiritual walk with God will be. And so I want you to know on both ends of it, it's okay to accept your limits. It's okay to tell somebody no. It's okay to be in a church and somebody be like, hey, we really need you in this study and be like, you know what? I actually don't have time for that. It is okay for somebody to be like, hey, I really need to just have this emotional conversation. Be like, you know what? I would love to hear you, but I'm not in the place for that at the moment. It's okay to respect your boundaries. And it's okay to push your boundaries sometimes. It's okay to step out in the areas where you don't feel comfortable. I never once felt comfortable publicly speaking, but here we are. (laughs) Yeah. I felt a lot more comfortable in a lot of other places, and I'm not there right now. And so what I'm trying to tell you guys is that the theme of the Bible, one of the cool themes is limits. Learn to accept the limits that God wants to put on your life to keep you safe and have the joy of breaking through the limits that you thought you never could. Because God wants to call you into an emotionally healthy spirituality. So what I want from you guys this week is I want you guys to think of at least one limit God is trying to get you to respect and one limit that he's calling you to break through. And after church, maybe discuss with somebody near you, maybe check in with somebody, text them like, hey, how are those limits going? What are some of the limits of yours? Here are my limits that I'm learning to need to grow in and have that experience, grow together, hold each other accountable and be able to learn to respect 
and break through your limits. I'm going to pray for us, and then we'll have a song for communion. God, I want to thank you so much, Lord, that you give us limits, Lord, that you want to protect us, God, that you know what we can and cannot handle, Lord. It says that you do not ever give us a burden that is too big for us to carry, Lord. So allow us to unload the burdens that we're not called to carry and to understand the work you call us to do, God. We're not supposed to be the people who reaches every last person, but to reach the people you call us to reach, Lord. To understand that Jesus didn't reach and meet every last guy, but he accepted the work you gave him to do, God. And so I ask that we would discern the limits you're asking us to accept and the limits you're asking us to break through, God, that we would just live at oneness and in peace with you, Lord, and become more emotionally healthy, spiritual disciples, God. It's in your name that I pray. Amen.